Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. Baby number two watch in this house, officially over. We had our son born on Monday of this week, and I'm officially in the first stages of sleep deprivation. So if the guys we talk about on this week's episode don't do too hot, got that to fall back on, please don't blame me. But In the middle of the night, when I'm up 2.30, 3.30, 4.30 in the morning, I've just been looking at stats, trying to narrow guys down to see who we like. So using this as uh, my outlet for fun here. And let's talk about this episode. So we're going to start by taking a quick look back at last week. Talladega, we did pretty well. And we're going to break that down. Just a quick look, see how we did with the various bets we put in and any takeaways from that race. It was a good one. And then we're going to look ahead to Kansas. So a couple flyover states we're going to touch on this week. First, Kansas Speedway. We're going to talk winners and some top 10, some interesting conversation in the top 10 section. And then pick three head-to-head winners, just like always, see if we can keep that going. So Kansas is up on the docket. And then a little bit of a bonus here. Not sure if it'll be interesting to too many people, but... We got the Kentucky Derby coming up on Saturday, and I could not resist, as the degenerate that I am, uh, just throwing some thoughts out there, you know? So instead of a Phil's Fired Up, we're going to do a little Derby preview at the end. So stay tuned for that, if that is something that you're into. So, like I said, we're going to start by looking back at Talladega. Brad Keselowski is your winner, and we did technically pick the winner because told you the the bet to make was the Penske bet it ended up being a good one because the guys from Penske were kind of all over the place Logano was up front for a while and then he wrecked out we'll talk about him in a second then it really was Blaney and Brad ends up coming through in the end and pretty cool because the guys on the broadcast were talking about how Brad had a mission he had an agenda and he was able to execute that perfectly so the Penske bet it was plus 375, I believe. I went heavy on it, and it paid dividends. Um, So I was really happy with the way that played out. And we crushed the top 10 section, called out William Byron, and then riffed on Tyler Reddick and Kevin Harvick, and all three of those guys finished in the top 10. So that was uh, a pretty good payday there if you took all three of those guys. Head-to-head section a little bit down last week, one and two, but it really could have gone Either way, a real big letdown for us was the what I called the lock of the week, which was Ricky Stenhouse. He had a bit of a rough week, um, so we're going to have him maybe redeem himself when we get to the head-to-head section this past week. But um, we also had a race day parlay, kind of threw in at random, and that was a, a big winner for us. So if uh, you don't follow us on Instagram, at Full Tank Phil. Get to throw some race day picks out there. Went a little wild with the parlays last week just because they gave us a lot of different options this past week. Talladega and Daytona seems to bring that out of the sports books. So, uh, yeah, we hit one, 
and cashed in on the top tens and some winners. So coming out way on top at Talladega, which is tough to do because it's such a wild race. And so talking about that race in general, seems like the the big storyline, I think the biggest storyline was the flip from the 22 car. Joey Logano got airborne. And a lot of people were talking about the fact that the car was airborne. It looked like a video game. And then Joey gets on camera and talks about the safety of the cars. Um, Really not sure how to think about this one because obviously we don't want a Ryan Newman situation. That's who, you know, Joey referred to there. And, you know, he was able to walk away. So, you know, they definitely have made improvements on the safety inside the car. It's just his problem is these cars getting airborne, which I think everybody can agree with. The problem that I have, you know, is Joey just sort of rubs me the wrong way off the track. If I'm throwing money on somebody, I'm all in, right? It doesn't matter. I'm looking at things with blinders on. But um, Joey, in this case, I, I have a real problem with people who call out problems and offer no real solutions. And I think, you know, people that I've been hearing after the fact on various podcasts and radio shows seem to agree with that take. Like there's not really much they're going to be able to do, Joey. And do you have any ideas? Instead, he's just really kind of trash talking. And and that really didn't sit well with me. So I'm going to avoid the 22 car this week, uh, I think, across the board, uh, just because of those thoughts. Now he'll probably go out and win the race, as he has done in the past. But I think when you look back at Talladega in 2021 spring race, that's going to be the first thing that comes up um, in most people's mind. Not the Brad Kozlowski win, snatching that away from DiBenedetto. That was a great finish, but the flip of the 22 and, and Bubba Wallace just missing him. I mean, that was a wild, wild video. So Talladega... You know, it was what it usually is. It did not disappoint. So cannot complain about the product on the track there um, and can't complain about how we ended up with our bet. So very, very fun time last Sunday. So now we're going to look ahead to Kansas Speedway. That's where we're going. Kansas might not be a track that gets a lot of people to perk up. You know, it's a mile and a half track, tri-oval. And that sometimes turns a lot of people off, but we're going to go all in and see if we can take advantage of it. Maybe the sports books are taking the week off and we can jump on it. So looking at the track stats here, they are pretty important. 30 races all time. Six times the winner has started on the pole. Last time it happened was Kevin Harvick in 2018. The winner starting within the top five, only 14 times. That's 47%. Starting inside, excuse me, the top 10. 18 times. That's 60%. Those numbers are down from what we're used to seeing on these types of tracks. Starting outside the top 20. This is significant now. Only three times it's ever happened. Last time was Denny Hamlin in 2019. So we're going to come back to that stat in just a second. But if you're looking for a manufacturer trend, you know, Toyota has won five of the last 10 races. So they clearly have had something figured out in the past. Uh, But the other two are sprinkled in there as well. So, you know, you can really try to hang your hat on Toyota if you wanted to. I'm going to call out one of each manufacturer as far as my picks to to win the race in just a second. But Toyota definitely has that edge if you're someone who likes that pattern and like that stat. So this isn't really tough race to pick because if you're looking at our track stats, all right, starting outside the top 20, well, you got Denny Hamlin starting 20th. That's you know, right on that edge there. 
And then Larson is one of the favorites. I think he's the second favorite going off at plus 650 right now. He's starting way in the back because of his performance at Talladega. So that's a you know tough thing to think about if it's only happened three times. Now, the caveat there is that historically, the cars that we're talking about starting outside the top 20 are bad off the truck and they don't qualify well. That's different here because there are no qualifying. So it's a little bit apples to oranges here, but you know, it's a tough deal to, to maneuver through the track on a mile and a half starting that far back. Um, so I, you know, a little scared of Larson, not so much about Denny and we'll talk about why. Now the stat leaders are also a little bit scary to pick because they are, you know, the Kevin Harvick's, the Kyle Bush's, Martin Truex's, and when you're looking at Harvick and, and Kyle, I mean, they're up there every stat you're looking at. They haven't had great seasons. So it's not an obvious pick is what I'm trying to get at here. There's nobody that really jumps out to you and says like, okay, one plus one equals two, and that's a win. Um, it's not like that. So we're going to have to dig deep and really kind of talk through our picks this week. So let's just go ahead and get right to it. I'm going to start with Denny Hamlin. I mentioned last week he's going to get a win. It obviously didn't happen last week. He had some trouble, some pit road problems in that 11 car. But he's the odds-on favorite to start the week, plus 550. Actually started at plus 600, and he's dipping down a bit there. Now he's 20, starting 20th, and that could potentially be a good thing because when you're looking at those stats that we just laid out there, winners starting within the top 10, 60% of the time, the fact that that's lower than what we're used to seeing means that there have been a decent amount of winners that are coming from that 11 to 20 spot. And so Denny being 20th, being strong, that doesn't scare me as it might, you know, other racetracks. So the other thing is he has to be pissed off from last week. I know he was already trash talking um, his own driver in Bubba Wallace. So I don't mind an angry driver. I like an angry Denny Hamlin here, and he's going to get that win. And I cannot, at this point, I feel like I'm so locked into Denny. Whether I talk about him on future episodes or not, I'm personally going to have to take him because that one time I don't, I know he's going to go get that win. So look look at Denny here at Kansas. Last 10 races, two wins. He had back-to-back -back wins, 2019 uh, fall race and the 2020 spring race. He's got four top fives, four top tens. His average finish is 10th out of everyone. It's 13.2. But he had some rough finishes in and around 2016 and 17. So lately, he has improved at this racetrack. And the driver rating stat proves that for sure. So when we're going back the, the full 10 or 12 races there, 94.0 is his driver rating. That's eighth compared to everyone. But it improves to second out of everyone in the last four races, 110.4 is that driver rating recently, those most recent four races. So Denny, obviously, I mean, those back-to-back -back wins are definitely helping. His average running position is fifth compared to everyone. So those numbers, you know, if you kind of block out the, the stats from a little further back and you focus more recent, He's definitely the guy. I mean, that's why he's the favorite. But there's another reason why he's the favorite here, and it's because he's the best driver in the game right now. I mean, without a win, he's so locked in that he could probably take, like, a month off and still make the playoffs. That's how big of a points lead he has so far. So who wouldn't really want the best driver in the game? I mean, that's somebody that you have to really look hard at 
if you're going to throw some money down. So green flag speed this year, and that proves it. He's the third best green flag speed. Daytona definitely hurt him last weekend. But if you're looking at mile and a half track so far this year, the fastest green flag lap stat at Vegas and Atlanta. He had the fourth best and fifth best. Those are good numbers when we're going to these mile and a half. So those are things that you want to look at. How was he this year on these types of cookie cutter tracks? So all of that being said, I'm in on Hamlin, even though he's the favorite plus 550. I feel like he's going to be up there maybe to start stage two. So lock me in for the 11 car. Give it another shot this week. So now I'm going to go to someone a little bit further down. You know, I mentioned how I'm kind of staying away from Larson because of his starting position and, you know, back-to-back winners with Kozlowski, kind of avoiding that. Chase Elliott is who I'm landing on. Actually, the next two guys are kind of a, a similar story, but Chase is going off at plus 900. He's starting 17th, so it's going to be a bit of a challenge for him probably to get up there. Would you have ever bet money that Chase would be the last Hendrick driver to get a win this season? Because I definitely would have lost a lot of money on that bet. But let's look at his stats at Kansas, right? Because you could say Chase is just kind of hanging around right now. But if you're looking at Kansas, his last 10 races, he has one win, four top five, six top 10 finishes. His average finish compared to everyone is seventh at 11.0. And his running position is seventh at 11.1. So pretty decent there. I mean, pretty consistent, I guess you could say. His driver rating, it's the same kind of story that we talked about with Denny. And this is something that I've just been clinging to all season. I just love finding these guys who prove that stat correctly. So his driver rating is six when you're looking at last six years. 97.5 is what that average is. But as you get closer, so looking at the last four years, last two years, which is equal to four races, it increasingly gets better. Last eight races, it jumps to 100.9. And in the last four races, it jumps all the way up to 108.4. That's third out of everyone at Kansas in that time span. So I'm looking at this as a chance for the nine car, the nine team to get back on track a little bit. I mean, they won this race in the 2018 playoffs. That shows that they've got a little bit of clutch here. And maybe they need a kick. This could be a shot of adrenaline for them. They've got four of the last five races. They've got top six finishes. So the funny thing is moving to the number nine clearly has had effect on him here at Kansas, because if you throw out his finishes when he was driving the 24 car, uh, I know it's essentially the same car, same team pretty much, and really just cosmetic, but his numbers have increased dramatically since they made that. So if you throw those 24 stats out, I mean, he is really close to the top at most of these metrics here. So good value plus 900 for Chase in the nine car. I'm liking it. I'm, I'm looking for a little bit of a, maybe a comeback and even call it that, but that's what I'm going to roll with here. So lock me in for the nine plus 900. And then we're going to stick with that value plus 900 for Kevin Harvick. I mentioned him when we started talking about winners, and I just cannot resist. And this is why. Because when, you know, you're talking about Kevin Harvick in 2021, we've talked about it. Every talking head is going on and on and on about how Stuart Haas Racing is struggling. Their leader, Kevin Harvick, no wins yet, not really sniffing a win, which is all true. But at this racetrack, I think you needed to give it a hard look. And I mentioned how I was 
you know, up middle of the night thinking about things, this was the topic that I was thinking about most because he is, without a doubt, hands down, the stat king at Kansas. Every single stat you could throw at me, Kevin Harvick is the leader in that stat, I would imagine. So in the last 10 races, two wins, six top fives, eight top tens. Average finish is first, 5.5. Average running position is first, 6.1. Then, if you're looking at average driver rating, that number is 120.6. That's the average driver rating for Kevin Harvick in the last six years here. That's 12 races. Wild, wild stuff. Obviously, that's first. I mean, 100, anything over 100 at any racetrack is good. He's 120. Like, that's just insane. And it doesn't matter what sample size you look at whether it's the last six years, last four years, last two years, he is the person that is on top with the best average driver rating. It's just insane. So looking at 2020, you know, because you're saying, well, more recently, Kevin Harvick's been down a little bit. He had a great year last year. That's obvious, but finished fourth and second. So the last time we were here, he, you know, just missed out pretty much. So it's not really a question of, you know, if he's, still good here lately he has been so it's really just about 2021 can they make it work another just wild stat to throw your way for just kind of pumping his tires here when we're looking at the fastest lap stat he has 295 fastest laps in the last eight races that's equal to 36.9 percent of his laps have been the fastest laps on the track That's just insane. Like, no one's even really close to that. So, this is the same as Chase. I'm thinking that if you're the four team, if you're Stuart Haas, this is a racetrack where Kevin is phenomenal. A lot of your guys are pretty good. You're going to have to go all in here. They're coming off of a fifth place finish last week. It was uh, something they can maybe build on. Or top five, I believe, this last week. I don't remember exactly what he finished, but he was up there in the end. And so that's something that this team can work off of. Plus 900 when you're talking about someone who is that dominant historically with all these stats is just too good to resist. So lock me in, Kevin Harvick, plus 900 in the four car. All right, all right, all right. Now we will move to the top 10 section. And this might be a little bit quicker than normal, but there's one major burning topic that I got to bring up here. I don't know. If you saw, but I posted this on Instagram in my stories last week, I was cruising on FanDuel the day of the race and was flipping through some top 10 picks. The guys that I ended up selecting in this kind of didn't work out. But what I discovered was that FanDuel allowed me to parlay top 10 finishes. That was mind blowing to me. This is huge news if it's true. I say, is it true? Because I don't know if this was just a thing for Talladega or if they're going to allow this moving forward. They have always denied this every time I try to play with it. DraftKings absolutely says no. MGM says no when I try to do it. So this, if they allowed this, would be very unique to FanDuel and I would be very interested in it every single week. This reminds me of the bet that We talked about earlier in the year, the finishing on the lead lap bet, 
We have our guy Phil out there. He's used it many times in, in his state for Bet Rivers. They have it on their site, and he had parlayed people in the past. And for the record, just a quick side note on that, I have reached out to many different sports books to try to get the word out on that, and I've been told by both Fox Bet and Bet Rivers in PA that they are working on it. DraftKings continues to stonewall me, and I have not touched on FanDuel yet, but still working to try to make that more of a normal thing. But it's very similar to that. If you can include multiple big names into a parlay when we're talking about top 10s, then the top 10 section gets a lot more interesting because you could take big names like Harvick, Denny, Truex, guys who consistently finish in the top 10 at this racetrack, Kansas, and put them into a parlay because you would never take Denny Hamlin to finish in the top 10 at minus 360 or whatever it is. But if you group them up with the other two guys, then it gets a lot more fun, a lot more interesting, and a lot bigger payout. So I am keeping my eyes peeled for this on Sunday with FanDuel. And if you're someone who's listening that maybe you don't use FanDuel and you use a, a different site that maybe I haven't mentioned, give it a look, give it a try, see if it's going to work, and then let me know. You know, send me a message. I am absolutely trying to aggregate all these things in my mind so I can put them out there to let people know about it because this is a very cool bet if it continues. That's for sure. So now let's get to a couple picks. And I know that in the top 10 section, we typically look for the, the greater value, but I haven't been able to find someone who stands out to me further down the list. There are a couple guys maybe we'll touch on in the head-to-head -head section that you know, they're close, but I don't know how good I feel about them for top tens necessarily. So I'm going to go with a couple guys who, you know, you're giving up some juice for them. The first being Christopher Bell. He's minus 118. Pretty reasonable, I think, um, for this driver and, and for really any top 10 bet. I'm still comfortable with that. Last season, he's only had two starts here in the Cup Series, but last season in 2020, he had a 23rd place finish and a 10th. So 50% of the time in two races, small sample size for sure. But he was in the 95 car, Bob Levine Racing. And the fact that he was able to pull that off is interesting to me. You know, he's able to get that 95 on a mile and a half. That really is not someone that, or not a car that I think of on these tri-oval tracks being up in that top 10. So that's a pretty big accomplishment for such a young driver in his rookie season. Now, the other thing, that I'm looking at here is when I'm digging up all these stats, when we're talking about driver rating, average finish, running position, a name that popped up to me a lot was Eric Jones. And Jones obviously is coming from that 20 car. So I'm kind of taking that success that that 20 car has had here in the past and kind of applying this to Bell here cautiously, obviously, but I think that we've seen that the 20 car definitely outweighs Eric Jones's skill um, and, and is definitely a bigger factor than what Eric Jones can do. So if you're seeing Jones with these heavy stats, I think you can equate that to the better equipment. And so with all of that being said, great stuff for Christopher Bell. And he's obviously taken this car and ran with it so far in 2021. His Average green flag speed is eighth compared to everyone, 11.1. And on the mile and a half this year, he's one for three, finishing in the top 10. He finished seventh at Vegas. So I like Christopher Bell here for all of those reasons. Just really seems to hit all the right spots 
when you're talking about the team and the driver and the tracks, kind of connect the dots there. I'm digging the 20 car of Christopher Bell minus 118. Now, kind of a, a similar situation here. Alex Bowman, he's going off at minus 143. So a little bit more expensive and maybe that gets you to shy away from him here. But in seven starts here, he has five top 10 finishes. That's a better percentage than anyone you're going to find in the sport right now for their career. So his average finish is fourth, 8.3. That surprised me. Now, the other stats like driver rating and, and running position and such, you know, running position, he's eighth, 11.5. But, you know, that average finish stat really jumps out to you because he doesn't really show up elsewhere when you're looking at all the different stat sheets. But seems like he just likes this racetrack. Four of his last five races, he finished within that top five. And the one that he missed in the last five races, he finished 11th. So putting money on Alex Bowman in that 48 car now is definitely going to be worth your time because it's going to make that race fun, I would imagine, since he's right on it these last five races. He had a third place finish last time we were here. And so clearly, maybe they're looking at this as a chance to win a race. You know, in 2021, in the three mile and a half tracks, he has two top 10 finishes, Homestead and Atlanta. And the green flag speed, his average green flag speed in all of those races, he's really up there in the top 10s, 10th, 6th, and 6th. So all good things when you're betting on a guy to finish in the top 10. I know this is why they're saying that he's minus 143. So the only thing that would keep somebody away, in my opinion, would be that value. But I still like it. Minus 143 for Alex Bowman in the 48 car. I, I, I simply love it. And if that FanDuel parlay situation is still there, you could group those two guys up together and get an even better value. So um, lock me in for both those guys. Now, the other, other thing I'm going to mention here in this top 10, usually a prop section, is just mentioning the Clint's Stage 2 contest, I think they call it, on Fox. They advertise this. I mean, folks, if you're not paying attention, I mean, this is the start of sports books kind of taking over live professional sports they're they're dipping everybody's toe in the the water with these like free to play proppy type things and they're the fact that they're integrating it into the broadcast is just the natural next step but i just wanted to call this out because we broke this down on a previous episode and we filled one out and people are winning these things 13 people split like 25 grand last week so it's possible the thing that i realized when I started paying attention to it is like we filled one out on the, the episode on a Wednesday night. Do not fill one out. I think the way I said it was like, hey, you know, throughout the week, if you're sitting on the can, something to do, go for it. That is not the play. You actually need to actually watch the race and fill your picks in right before the end of stage one, because you're going to get a way better advantage because of some of the picks, because if a big name like last week, Logano, being out of the race, basically, really killed you. So fill it out towards the end of stage one. You got 10 laps left. You have time. They're going to allow it. And so that's the only thing I want to call out because we're going to Clint's home state. So it just made me think of it. I you know, thought to myself, hey, let me look into this. And then just wanted to call out the fact that it's just not worth it until the race actually starts. So the fact that people are actually winning these money. They're calling them out on the broadcast. Somebody won a camper last week. Um, so very cool stuff and uh, worth your time since it's free right now. Trex Jr. is going to be aggressive. Denny Hamlin out front. Aggressive goes around.
So now we've reached the head-to-head section of the podcast, and we went one and two last week, so we definitely want to get back on the winning side of the coin here. This has been our sweet spot for most of this season when we haven't been picking winners, so got to get to it. I'm going back to the same well I went to last week because I really think that doubling down is going to pay some dividends here. So the first matchup that we have is Cole Custer, minus 118, versus Bubba Wallace, minus 112. So Bubba surprised me last week because I was saying, this isn't Daytona, this is Talladega, his stats suck at Talladega, he's going to let us down, and, you know, he went out there and proved me wrong. You know, I bet against him in the head-to-head section, I called out Ricky Stenhouse as the guy to do it, the lock of the week failed me. So I'm going back to the well. I'm going to pick on Bubba even more. Hate to do it, you know, but I have to when I'm looking at the stats that he's been putting out here because this week it's different. You know, last week, super speedway race, anything can happen. And it did for the 23 team. But at Kansas, mile and a half, as we know, are just different. His best finish in six starts at Kansas Speedway is 18th. His average finish is 28th. That is the 10th worst out of everyone in NASCAR at the moment, active drivers. So, wow. Like, why would you even consider this? You know, and this season is also not going great on mile and a half for the 23 car in their inaugural season here. 28th place finish, 22nd and 16. Looking at those tracks that we've been to already vegas homestead and atlanta and his green flag speed it's not like he had some good laps or some good speed in that car and just didn't get the finishes no those numbers are also not good now getting back to kansas his driver rating is just downright dismal it's 54.6 and it does not get better it actually gets worse as we move closer in the last four races so bubba wallace you know, I can see why at Talladega you're saying, okay, well, his best finish there was X. But at a super speedway, there's always that chance that somebody could have lightning strike. At this type of track, this more of a technical track, you're going to need speed. They haven't had it. And so I'm fading him once again. And the person I'm going to here to ring this bell is Cole Custer, Stuart Haas Racing. Obviously, you know, we'll talk about them in a second, but he has two starts here, seventh place and 14th. So he's got a top 10 last year, similar to Christopher Bell's situation. Both of those finishes in his rookie season in the 41 car are better than any of Bubba's finishes in his career in six starts. So clearly he's 2-0 and in their matchup um, at this racetrack. His driver rating and average both races last year, 79.6. So that's just solid. Like, it doesn't matter who we're talking about here. 79.6 in a head-to-head section, guys who are kind of further back in the pack, that's a decent number. Now, the reason to bet against Custer is that Stuart Haas Racing is down. I mentioned that when we talked about Harvick, but I think, you know, this is a, a racetrack they can possibly turn it around. That's the only reason why you wouldn't take Custer in this matchup, is that you're just so fading Stuart Haas as a team that you're saying, give me anybody. But I would not take anybody in this matchup when the anybody is Bubba Wallace. So give me Custer, the 41 car, minus 118. The next matchup that I have for you is just a a conundrum. 
It really is. And this is the type of stuff that I'm thinking about when I'm up in the middle of the night. Because it's Eric Almarola plus 100 versus Matt DiBenedetto minus 143. The odds for this matchup are clearly set on the 2021 performance so far this year. Because when you extend Matty D, you say that he's a, an arm of Team Penske versus Stuart Haas. I mean, clearly Team Penske has that advantage. I know that he's racing for the Wood Brothers, but they've got the same equipment, sharing notes. So you got to say, you know, Penske and, and Wood Brothers versus Stuart Haas, it's a no brainer that, you know, Penske and Wood Brothers are going to be coming out on top in that matchup or, or that conversation. But Kansas, between these two drivers, are just a, a completely different story. So let's first go with the underdog, Eric Almarola. Last 10 races, four top 10s. Average finish is 17.8. His driver rating is 75.4. Solid, like we talked about. It's 14th out of everyone. And in the last four races, it even improves to 83.8. So really good numbers there for Eric Almarola going off as plus 100 underdog. Like, who wouldn't want that? In 2020, sixth place finish in 13th. Those are exactly the types of numbers that you would want in a head-to-head matchup because all you need to do is beat one other guy. So then on the flip side, Matty D is just terrible here. His numbers are, are really bad. 12th is his best finish here in 10 starts. Two DNFs. He starts fifth. So that is one positive if you're trying to go with the, the 21 car here. Last week's race was absolutely heartbreaking. I mean, if you're a Matty D fan, you were really thinking that, that could have been it. Just made a split second, poor move, you know, Monday morning quarterback type of deal. So the question here is, how is he going to bounce back from that? Is it going to be a hangover or is he going to use that, harness that and do well? And all we need him to do is just beat one other car. So it's very interesting that he's the favorite. His average finish is 25.2 and his drive rating is 53.3. It just makes it so hard to take him here because of Amarola's stats. Head-to-head in the last 10 races, they're 5-5. Five and five. So this is going to be a tiebreaker. I am going to go against everything in my being and say that I'm going to go with Matty D in this matchup. I love the fact that he's got a pretty big head start here, starting fifth compared to Amarola's 18th place starting position. His green flag speed on mile and a half is what's doing it for me this year. Because obviously, historically, Amarola has it locked up. But this year, Amarola has been pathetic. And mile and a halfs are no different. Matty D's green flag speed, average green flag speed, 20th, 12th, and 13th. Almarola is on the mile and a half so far this year. His best is 23rd, and it gets worse. So, I mean, that's really the, the story. So, how do you think about it? You know, is it historically this racetrack? Because looking at history, there's no chance you go with anybody other than Almarola, but putting on the 2021 lens, it's clearly De Benedetto, and that's what the sports books say. I'm going to go with Matty D in this matchup. It's tough for me to do, like I said, but I've just been burned by Amarola last week. I went really hard in on him last week, and it did not pan out. So going with Matty D, going to say that he's going to use that energy from last week to a positive this week coming up. Now, the third and final matchup that I have for the head-to-heads, giving another guy redemption, a shot at it. It's Ricky Stenhouse. I told you how he let us down. He's going off at minus 139 versus Ryan Newman. An interesting matchup here. 
we've picked both these guys to win us head-to-head matchups so far this year, and they both have performed for us. So it's kind of cool to have them going up against each other. So let's take a look. We'll dive a little bit deeper into this. Ryan Newman, his last 10 races at Kansas Speedway, he has one top 10. That came in 2016. His last eight races, his best finish equals 15th. His average finish, last 10, 25.0. So since he's moved over to Roush, his numbers have just absolutely been in the toilet. Just not good over the last four or so races uh, when he's been at Roush. Just kind of pathetic. The driver rating stat proves that point in spades here. His driver rating on average, 68.2, but it dropped significantly to 52 when you're looking at the most recent four races. So he's got a pretty decent head start, starting 14th compared to Stenhouse's 23rd. So if there's anything that you're going to say around Ryan Newman to say, all right, this is the guy I want to go with in this matchup, it might be that and just say that, you know, Newman's been pretty good at kind of staying in and around where he starts. But Let's take a look at Ricky Stanhouse because in his last 10 races, zero top 10 finishes, but you got to look a little further because he has three different 11 place finishes. So he's been right there. If you're thinking about him for the top 10, he's got good odds to finish in the top 10, like the plus 200 or something. So they could be, you know, if you want a long shot on a top 10 pick, he might be it. His average finish is 18.6. That number right there. Much better than Ryan Newman's average finish. His driver rating is 70.7, and it improves to 72.3 in the last four races. So you have a guy in Ryan Newman who's on a downswing at this racetrack recently, a guy, Ricky Stenhouse, on a slight uptick, and then you look at 2021, mile and a half this year. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is 15th green flag speed at every single mile and a half track. That's consistency, if I've ever heard about it. And Ryan Newman is all over the place. He's hit or miss. So I want the guy, most of the time, I want the consistent guy, no matter what. And head-to-head in the last seven races, Ricky has a 5-2 advantage in their record there at Kansas. So give me Ricky Stenhouse. We're going back to him. Minus 139 in this matchup versus Ryan Newman. I typically love underdogs, but it's just not enough for me here in that six-car to have me throw money down on him. So the recap here, Cole Custer, minus 118, Matt DiBenedetto, minus 143, and Ricky Stenhouse, minus 139. Guess you could call it chalk, but there's good reason for it. Going to get a little bit outside of the comfort zone here because it's just a huge weekend in the gambling world. And the racing world, I guess you could say, this is a a gambling podcast about racing. We're just going to veer off to the right a little bit and talk about the horses. Kentucky Derby, the Triple Crown, starts this Saturday at 6.57. I believe the horses are going to take off there. And wanted to bring this up because it's fun to talk about gambling in any sense. I mentioned how I'm a degenerate. But the thing that really brings it as a connection to NASCAR is the fact that I really feel like as the sports betting world evolves in America, I think that NASCAR has an opportunity to capitalize on it. We've talked about it in first season of this podcast, laid out a full TED talk, basically. And one of the things that I was referring to was the way that horse 
betting takes place. And I think NASCAR could learn a thing or two if they were to eventually, in a perfect world, kind of have their own book. Uh, the, the governing body of NASCAR has their own book. They can kind of do things their own way, not rely on these DraftKings and FanDuels and the other guys. And really model some of the bets or allow some of the bets that you're able to make similar to horse racing. Like these exacta boxes, trifecta boxes, superfecta boxes. This is the type of bet where you pick two guys or two horses, in this case, the Kentucky Derby, and you can take them straight, meaning if I take, let's let's put it to NASCAR's world, right? If I were to take Harvick and Logano. If I take them straight, that means they would finish 1-2, Harvick and Logano. If I box that, that means they're able to finish either way. You know, Logano could finish first, Harvick second, or vice versa. And as long as either one of those two guys are in the, the top two, I hit. Um, that is the same for trifectas, which is the top three, superfectas, top four, and so on. So the ability to do that in NASCAR would be huge. And I'm a big proponent in expanding this trying to make triple crown type races in NASCAR, get the gambling community to focus on NASCAR. There's opportunity there for sure. So that's where the connection really comes in. Then, you know, I would have to assume that if you're listening to this podcast, you like to bet on most all sports and who doesn't like talking about the Derby. It gives you something fun, a little something different to talk about. It popped up on me. I saw a commercial on the television like, oh my gosh, can't not believe that that's this weekend. So figured even if you're not really into horses, you're really just a NASCAR fan, I might give you a little bit of ammo to kind of talk some shit to your friends who might be into it this weekend. If you happen to be at a place that throws it on the TV. So let's just talk about it. I'm not by any means an expert in horse racing. I used to be pretty good, honestly. Um, back, you know, probably about five, six years ago, I had a stretch where I was on fire. Uh, with the Derby, the Preakness, and the Belmont. I was really good. Last few years, cooled off a little bit. So, not sure if I have any official, like, gotta place these bets type of deals, but just gonna riff on some horses here just for fun. And I'm gonna start with the number one horse. Known Agenda is going off at six to one. This is a Todd Pletcher horse, he's the trainer. Erad Ortiz Jr. is the jockey here, but Todd Pletcher is the thing that really gets your name. He is world-renowned trainer for sure. And everything that you're seeing about this horse tells you that he's peaking at the right time. He won the Florida Derby. I think that was his last race um, leading up to it. So that's a big deal for these horses when they're coming in. You know, what was their previous race, the, the lead-up race, the prep race, I guess you call it. Now, the haters of Known Agenda would say that the Florida Derby was a bit of a weak field, and that seems to be true. Uh, but... All indications are saying that this horse is on an upswing, and that's what you want. I mean, just like in NASCAR, you're going to want a guy who's coming in hot and has a higher ceiling than what we've seen so far. The downside of known agenda is that he's on the rail. So drawing that one position means that he's right up against the rail when they release the horses. So there's a possibility that you know, the one horse gets boxed in due to traffic. And apparently, from what I've seen, he had a couple bad runs where he did get caught up in traffic uh, before, and they did not go well. So they put blinders on the horse after those two bad runs, and then I believe he won the 
the Florida Derby with those blinders on. So I'm assuming he's going to be wearing blinders again or using blinders this weekend in the Kentucky Derby. So it's a really tough deal because if he didn't draw that one position, I think his odds, which are currently six to one, would be, you know, even more heavy. You know, he'd be closer to the favorite. So even six to one tells you the horse on the rail like that, this is a strong horse. So I would consider him in some of your boxes as you're looking at the card on Saturday. There's another horse that seems to be sort of standing out as one that, you know, basically what I'm reading about this guy, I like. So let's break it down. He's the number 15 horse, Rock Your World. He's five to one right now. Pretty good odds for any horse. John Sadler is the trainer. Joel Rosario is the jockey. He won the Kentucky Derby with Orb back in like 2013, I believe. Um, He won the Santa Anita Derby earlier this year. And people are kind of questioning this because apparently he got out in front and he stayed out there. So people are saying, is this too much too soon? You know, is he just blowing his wad early here? Is, Is it too, too much? But from all indications that I'm seeing, he has the ability to ride in the back. He's proven on a a grass track that he can ride and then pick his spot and take over and win the race, as well as lead and get the job done as well. So um, in a previous race right before the Santa Anita Derby, that's exactly what he did. He was able to hang back and then win the race. And when he wanted to go, he went. So that tells me that no matter how the race unfolds, because a lot of times when you're hearing guys break down horses, they're saying, well, if, if the race is run perfectly, you know, if things come to the horse the way that they want it to, the horse is in good shape. In this case, for Rock Your World, it doesn't seem like that's a factor. It seems like he has the ability to kind of get it done. Well, what the hell do I know? Five to one would tell you that it's possible. So I think the 15 horse is going to be in most of my bets for Saturday. Now, here's one that I'm not really seeing anybody talk about. So this is really just me riffing here. This is Highly Motivated is the name of the horse. It's the number 17 horse. He's 10 to 1. Chad Brown is the trainer. And the jockey is Javier Castellano. He's a two-time Preakness winner, so obviously a very big-name jockey. Going off of 10 to 1 is surprising because no horse in the history of the Kentucky Derby has ever won from the 17 position. That is just something they're always going to call out every single year until it happens. Now, there's a catch this year. The reason that I'm interested in it, I'm probably going to throw some money down on it just because of this thing. So they're rolling out some new gates for the Kentucky Derby this year. Every year up until this one, they have when you see the horses you know preparing to to get in and like i said i'm not an expert on horse racing in general here um, so i'm using the wrong terms but when you see the horses you know they're doing the trot and then they finally get them ready to release they all get into their gates their starting positions and the way that the gates have always been it's been 16 horses in one and four horses in a separate gate so that 17 horse was always the First, the starting point of that second gate. And I think that that's a pretty interesting stat, considering the fact that this year, 
they're rolling out a brand new one and it's a full 20 horse gate. So there's no more gap in that spot now. And I think it would be a pretty crazy storyline if the first year that they get rid of that, the, the double sets of gates, the 17 horse were to go out and win the race, that would say, wow, you know, what if they had this the whole time? Because there have been some pretty good 17 horses in the past. Um, so that's all I'm saying about this one. It could be, you know, like one of those sports or rig type of deals. But I think this should be a pretty cool storyline if that first year they roll this 20 spot gate out. The 17 horse finally gets it done and highly motivated going off at 10 to 1 would say this horse has the ability. I mean, I haven't really dug too deep on him, but it's really just that stat and the, the jockey, honestly, that gets my attention. Now, the big time favorite, 2 to 1 odds, essential quality is the favorite right now to win the Kentucky Derby. Brad Cox is the trainer. Luis Saez is the jockey. And for me, it's always a conundrum. For the favorites, honestly, I mean, it's tough because betting on them two to one, you're not really getting much. So I'm probably not going to take them to win, but it's a horse that you probably have to throw into, you know, any of your trifectas or superfectas because you'd have to assume he's going to be up there somehow. Um, Randy Moss, not the football playing Randy Moss, but the horse racing Randy Moss. He's my, you know, favorite. He's going to be on the broadcast on NBC. Um, he's saying that this guy's the favorite, but it's not by a whole lot. Like, we've seen horses in the past that have just been, like, the guy, right? They've got to win. Nyquist comes to mind, you know, from, like, 2016 or so, where he's just the horse. No one's going to stop him. And what Randy Moss is saying earlier in this week was that he is beatable. If there's another horse that really steps up and runs a, a race that's a little bit above average for them, this guy's beatable. It's not like he's some sort of monster favorite. The, the money is saying it, but there's a chance that he could lose. So I, I don't think I'm going to take him to win the race just because you're giving up too much, but I'll have them in most of my bets, whether it's the exactors, the superfectors. I'll box them up, and I'll include essential quality, the number 14 horse, in those. Now, the number seven horse is an interesting topic because, first, I don't even really know how to pronounce the damn name. Mandelown, I think, 15 to 1. Brad Cox, the trainer again. Florent Giroux is the jockey. Hank Goldberg is a horse racing expert. Used to be on ESPN all the time. I think now he's with like CBS Sports possibly. But he's a, a big time handicapper. And he is all over this horse. He says that, you know, he's a, a long shot, 15 to 1. He's in all of his tickets. He thinks that you can get him at good value. But there's just something about it that stinks here. I mean... I know that Hank Goldberg is a big name and everything, and I'm just some schmuck who likes to talk NASCAR. But this guy, this horse, finished sixth in Louisiana Derby to Hot Rod Charlie, who's going off in the ninth spot um, this week in the Kentucky Derby. So he's going up against a horse who beat him, but he didn't just beat him. He kicked the living shit out of him. And there were some other horses in between Mandelown and Hot Rod Charlie that are also running this weekend. So he got beat by multiple horses that are going to be racing in the Derby. He got beat by 10 lengths and no horse has ever gotten beat by 10 lengths or more and come back to win the Kentucky Derby since 1908. So in my opinion, I think this is a horse to avoid at least to win the race. 
you know, maybe you throw him into some super effective boxes and maybe he catches like a third or a fourth spot. But uh, I, I would avoid him to, to win the race for sure, even though that 15 to one spot is intriguing when you got guys like Hank Goldberg jocking him. I still am a little scared of that type of pick when you think of it like that. I mean, who wants to take a guy who just got his ass kicked? You know, he's and there's apparently no reason for it. The the people behind the horse are confused by it. So if that's the case, they don't even have an excuse for it. Get the hell out of here. So I'm I'm not in on this horse to win the race for sure. Now, last actual horse that I'll talk about here is Medina Spirit. He's 15 to 1, just like the horse we just talked about. He's the number 8 horse. And the thing that gets my attention here, I don't know too much about this horse's history, but the combination of jockey and trainer, it's Bob Baffert, the trainer, and John Velasquez, three-time Kentucky Derby winner. He is just an all-time jockey, Hall of Famer, everything you'd want in a jockey. He's your guy. I mean, when you hear the horses that are in the Kentucky Derby, you're scanning for those types of jockeys. He's the guy I always look for. I just love this combo. And when you look at this combo and then the odds, 15 to one, Bob Baffert and John Velasquez together in a 15 to one horse, real good opportunity here to cash in to win the race. What I'm seeing, you know, in my tiny amount of research on this guy is that this horse can get up front. And the question is in a Derby situation, can he stay there? So he's got the strength. He just hasn't really proven that he's good enough to win a race like the Kentucky Derby. If he's up front early, can he hang on? So that's the thing. But it is Bob Baffert and John Velasquez. So that's why I'm like, well, you know, if he's got speed, then that's all you need because these two will make it happen. So the number eight horse, I think I'll take him to win as a, can you call 15 to one a long shot? I think you can, uh, but I'll throw him into my, boxes as well and then if you're someone who just likes to take fun names because there are always some fun names in the derby my favorite was i'll have another and that guy went on to to dominate the derby uh but the number 10 horse is midnight bourbon i mean who the hell wouldn't want that love that name and then the 19 horse is a really long shot 30 to 1 i believe he is but it's soup and sandwich I think that would be hilarious if the headlines the next day said soup and sandwich win the Kentucky Derby. And it's not soup and salad, right? He, he's no he's no loser. He, he's he's packing on the pounds, soup and sandwich. He does, he's passing on that salad. So I think that's a really funny name. I'm always a sucker for the horses with the big names and the funny names. So, yeah, those are the thoughts on the Derby. Like I said, I'm, I'm not an expert, but I love talking shop. When it comes to the horses, and if you've got any, you know, tips for me out there, let me know, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll ride them together. Well, that's gonna do it for another edition of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. I'm gonna get back now to keeping a pacifier in a newborn's mouth for the next three short hours. In between placing my bets for this weekend at Kansas, make sure you get them in early, get them in often, and give us a follow at Full Tank Phil on Instagram. Don't forget to check out the Derby. Let me know what you got there. And we'll see you next week for the Darlington Throwback Race. Remember, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next time. Place to go.
to go. 